Welcome to Stunt Stories. I'm Corey Eubanks. In 1985, the biggest movie star walking the planet was a man named Sylvester Stallone. We all know him from the Rocky movies and Rambo. And he was just, the man was on fire back in those days. He was, and, and I, I still have so much respect for him as, as, a filmmaker and as an actor and producer and a writer and in his story about how he never gave up on his dream of playing a heavyweight champion. Uh, and, and he just, it's such a success story and it's so motivating the, not only just the movie Rocky, but his, his life story and how he never gave up hope and, you know, even had to sell his dog. And then later on, I mean, just to have money to survive and pay the rent and buy food. And then eventually when he got the, you know, financing for his films and made some money, he was able to buy his dog back. Uh, what a, what a incredible human being and businessman and storyteller and writer and director, uh, a great guy too. I I used to actually box with his brother Frank, who had a professional record, and we used to we used to spar at this gym in Canoga Park called the Left Hook Gym. And my trainer Ray Nataro was helping train Sylvester Stallone for the Rocky movie. And there, I'll I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that in a in a little bit because it's very interesting what had happened uh, between those two. But I remember back in 1985 when I had just quit working on a, a TV show called Hollywood Beat, and I didn't know where my next job was coming from. And the phone rang in the kitchen, and I answered it, and it was my answering service called Teddy's. That was a service that the majority of the stump people used back in the day. And also some actors used to use the same answering service. I remember Tom Selleck was one of their clients. But the, anyway, they, they call me and the, the, the uh, operator you know, said, hey, I've, I've got Mr. Terry Leonard on the line for you. And I was like, oh my gosh, you start getting nervous because Terry Leonard, you know, he was back in the day, he was the man, he was the legend stunt man, stunt coordinator, doing all the big movies. And you're like, what's he calling me for? And so they patch him through and he says, Hey, Eubanks, it's Leonard. And I'm like, Hey, Terry, how are you? Good to hear your voice. Cause he's got this gravelly voice. And I always do a horrible impersonation when I try to, but everybody, when you talk about Terry Leonard, hey, yeah, Terry Leonard, you got to try to imitate him. You know, so he's got this gravelly voice and he's very macho and so anyway, he asked me, he said, hey, what are you doing? I said, nothing, Terry. I just, you know, quit this TV show I was working on and I'm I'm not doing a darn thing. And he says, you want to come slide this 50 Merc double and sly? And I didn't know either of those two things. I didn't know what a sly was or who sly was. And I didn't know what a 50 Merc was. What he meant was a 1950 Mercury. And the sly is a nickname for Sylvester Stallone. But I didn't know it at the time. And I'm like, so he told me, he says, yeah, Sly, Sylvester Stallone. I'm doing a movie called Cobra. And I think he'd be a perfect double. 
And I said, wow, Terry, I, that would be awesome. I'd love to. Yes, absolutely. So I ended up getting hired to double Sylvester Stallone on this film. And Terry had already been working with the guys putting these cars together. They had seven of these Mercury's. And heavy car. It's a heavy car. Had a lot of lot of stunts to do with it. And we had rigged up this line lock system so I could stomp on it with my left foot to lock up the rear brakes because there was this one shot I had to do. It was, it was very uh, intimidating to me. It's a maneuver that I was comfortable doing, it, 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 but it's, it's a little tricky, and I'll explain to you why. The, the maneuver I had to do was I'm driving down the freeway, and I'm being chased by the bad guys. And I've got this stunt woman riding passenger with me named Diane Grant. And in this shot, George Cosmatos, who is the director, he placed a camera on sticks, you know, on a tripod in the middle of this freeway which is being operated by a camera operator and another gentleman standing alongside him who is pulling focus. You know, the first assistant camera operator, first AC is pulling focus. So I got two living, breathing human beings standing in the street and I've got to come racing down toward them at about 55 miles an hour and spin a 180 degree slide and not stop, but continue going backwards and then Diane is going to hand me this machine gun that I'm going to stick out the window and start to fire a few shots off and then pull the gun back inside and then crank a reverse 180 before I pass that camera. This is something that is easy to do in a big parking lot. This is something that's easy to do if you have a three lane wide freeway without having two living, breathing people standing in the middle of your freeway, you know, operating a camera. So it's a little intimidating because you don't want to hurt anybody. So with this transmission, the way they had it set up, I would come down there and I got going 55, 60 miles an hour. And we shot the rehearsal, by the way. There was no, let's, hey, let's see if we could rehearse it. Let's just go for it and do it. Because I told, yeah, Terry, I could do this. And I didn't want to have to um, do a bunch of rehearsals. And, and then I, I seem to operate sometimes best and perform stunts best when I'm, I'm doing it for the first time. Because I'm a, I'm a big, big believer in the power of visualization. And uh, I read a book years ago when I started writing Bulls. Um, it was suggested to me by uh, Gary LeFew who was a 1970 world's champion bull rider. And it was called Psycho-Cybernetics. It was the power of envisioning what you want to do, the power of visualization. And I've pulled that into my stunt career. I used to use it in my rodeo career, and I pulled it into my stunt career. And I could just envision myself doing something. And I'm able nine out of 10 times to, to do just what I was envisioning. And if you can't envision it, you can't fool yourself. You can't lie to yourself and say, oh, I could see myself jumping 15 feet in the air and going into that platform. No, it's got to be something that you believe in your heart, in your soul that you can do and you have the athleticism to pull it off. This maneuver that Terry Leonard was asking me to do, throw a 180, drive in reverse, throw a reverse 180, I've done before in other vehicles, Crown Vicks, Chevy Caprice, a Mustang, uh, 
but I'd never done this in this particular vehicle, this 1950 Mercury chop top. It was, like I said, a very heavy car. But what I, the way I execute this maneuver is I get a lot of speed. Like I said, I was going about, no, oh, 55 or 60. Um, I had the back tires inflated up to 65 PSI. So it would really help whip it around easier than if it had a, a lower tire pressure and there was more tread on the, on the surface of the asphalt. And I think I had my front tires at 55 PSI. So I came down there and I, I lined up one one lane over to my right and I hit the button for the line lock, which immediately locks up the rear tires. And I popped the car into neutral. And as I went to crank down left on the steering wheel to throw the car into a 180 degree slide, as soon as I felt I was passing that 45 degree angle, I took my foot off the brake to allow the car, the momentum of that car to roll backwards when I came to that 180 degree position and straightened out the steering wheel. I was using the momentum of the vehicle that was traveling at 55 or 60. Yes, when I hit the emergency brake the, or the line lock to, to lock up the rear tires and those all four tires were drifting sideways, it was scrubbing off a lot of speed, but I still had enough to carry this car in backwards. And as soon as it started to go backwards, I slapped it. I reached down and slapped the transmission into reverse and got on the accelerator. I then look into my mirror and I could see that camera. I'm like, I still got plenty of time. And I reached out my hand and Diane Grant handed me the machine gun. I then had to let go of the steering wheel with both hands because I had to put the gun from my right hand into my left and extend it out the window and then grabbed onto the steering wheel with my right hand. And I go to fire the machine gun and it goes bam, bam, and it jams. It fired one shot, and by the time I was trying to pull off the second shot, it jammed. And I'm like, oh, shit. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, they're going to do a tight shot on Stallone, firing the, that weapon out the window, which they did. But I'm like, damn it, I really wanted to get off a few shots. So I was a little frustrated. So I leaned back in my seat a little bit, and I threw the gun inside toward Diane. I should have forewarned her and said, here, Diane, catch this, or Diane, here, take it. Because I was running out of real estate. I knew I had to whip the reverse 180, you know, within the next three or four car lengths. And I'm probably traveling 30, 40 miles an hour in reverse now. And when I threw the gun inside the cab of the vehicle, she wasn't ready for it. And it smacked her right in the side of the face. And I felt so bad. I'm like, oh my God, first the gun jams. And now I just smacked Diane Grant in the face with this freaking machine gun that didn't work. And I cranked the wheel and whipped the reverse 180. And just as it came around and I slapped it back into drive and got on the accelerator, I just went past camera, just completed the maneuver just before I exited frame. And I was like, wow, man, the adrenaline was just pumping through my veins. I was like very proud of myself that I, I did this maneuver. It was crisp. It was sharp. It was, it was snappy. And then I felt so bad when we came to a stop that Diane Grant, she was almost crying because it really, it really hurt. I mean, take a machine gun and, you know, throw it two and a half, three feet and, and hit someone in the face and let me know what, how they react. It's not, it's not a comfortable thing, apparently. And I felt so bad about that, but I was, you know, and, th and then, and then <laughs> George Cosmodos was ecstatic. They got it. They're like, yeah, we got, we're going to print that. That's great. Then he thought, well, wait, I'll move the cameras over here. We'll do it again. And we could get another angle. 
And I'm thinking, oh, shoot. You know what? I wish we could just walk away from this. I, I don't want to have to do it again and, and, and have them find out that maybe part of it was luck. <laughs> you know, I just, you know what? Sometimes you do get lucky, and I'd rather be lucky than good. But I think I could have done it a second time. But you know what? It started to rain, and that was happening in that in that chase sequence. There were some days that it was raining pretty heavy, and we just shot right through it. And then sometimes we would stop because it was too much rain. But it started to rain, and they wanted to move on to another another sequence. So we actually walked away. So that one maneuver that's in the the feature film, Cobra, that was my rehearsal. That was my my first take that I I did was I got to do that. You know, and then it was a couple days later, there was a unexpected thing and I was sent to first unit because see, I was working mostly on second unit with Terry Leonard, who was directing the second unit. And I got sent up to the first unit because there was a scene where Stallone is going to uh, come down the street and pull up to the curb uh, in front of this hospital. And uh, he wanted to then have it where the car would slide sideways, you know, do a sideways uh, 90 up to the curb. And I'm like, okay. So I show up there on, on first unit and the guys are explaining to me that the first AD and they're going, this is what, you know, Sly, Mr. Stallone wants. He wants to have you come down the street here and, and pitch the car and slide up to this curb. And I'm thinking, um, where are the stunt cars? All I see is this one vehicle, this 50 Merc, that is not one of the stunt vehicles rigged up with anything to slide. And they go, oh, and by the way, that's Mr. Stallone's personal car. He bought one of the uh, 50 Mercuries and put like $60,000 into it, the interior and the engine. And it was just just beautiful, this 50 Merc. That it, and it was his personal car. And I'm thinking, oh, great. The car I've never driven. I now have to come down and hope that its stock emergency brake is going to work so I could pitch this car sideways and slide it right up to the curb in front of the hospital and not hit the curb and, and you know break off the wheels. So I remembered a little trick that this gentleman, Jerry Summers, taught me. Jerry Summers was a phenomenal stuntman and really uh, taught me a lot of um, skills and, and tricks of the trade for driving and and was just so much help to me when I was back on the Dukes of Hazard, um, and we went on to work on other shows like Crazy Like a Fox and a bunch of other movie of the weeks and feature films. But he he really taught me a lot um, about stunt driving, and one and some of the tricks that you use. And this little trick I like to pass on to my fellow stunt men and stunt women. If you're ever put in this situation where you have to slide a car up to a curb and you don't really feel a hundred percent confident. You go to your grip brothers and you say, hey, guys, you got any two-by-twelves? And we took some some two-by-twelves and we stacked them on top of each other so they're four inches high, you know, and, and in the curb, in the curb lane. So it's just about the height of the tire, not the, not the, the wheel, not the rim. And the standby painters came in and they kind of painted it down so it looked like the, looked like the curb and, and, and. This, this shot was a little bit tighter and it wasn't really showing the full, you know, it, the wide angle wasn't showing the full vehicle. You weren't seeing all the way to the ground. It was just, as I, the closer I got to camera, you were, it was almost half of the vehicle. And I came in and pitched it sideways, knowing that that was my little bumper, that the tires, the rubber 
you know, the tires could actually make contact with those two by 12s. And I'm going to be a foot from the curb and not smash into the, into the curb and, you know, ruin Mr. Stallone's personal 1950 Mercury that he spent $60,000 to, to uh, fix up and modify. So that was a little trick that I did that I learned from uh, Jerry Summers that paid off. That was, I was very, very fortunate to have had that little piece of, of wisdom that, uh, you know, hopefully maybe someone can use someday. I remember when we were filming uh, again on Cobra, um, out in Fillmore and there was a, a sequence we were doing in the orange orchards out there. And all of a sudden here comes Stallone and his three bodyguards then they're walking up to me and he says, Hey, Corey, my brother Frank says you got a good left hook. And it's the first time I really got to shake his hand and meet him. And I, I said, Hey, Mr. Stallone, he goes, please, you know, call me Sly. And I said, it's nice to meet you, Sly. And I go, yeah, I've boxed with your brother for years. He's used to always beat, beat me up, you know, but it was, it was good for me. Maybe, you know, he, 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 uh, taught me a lot. He says, listen, I need to talk to you for a second. And he pulls me away from his bodyguards. We walked maybe 10, 15 feet away. He said, do you see Ray Notaro? Have you seen him lately? Now, Ray Notaro was my trainer. He was my boxing trainer. He owned the left hook gym in Canoga Park. Ray Notaro was also the one that was training Sly um, for the Rocky movies. And apparently what was hap- had happened was Ray Notaro was going to do a a boxing video, learn to box from Rocky. And I think Sly had agreed to do it or they had some kind of a deal that fell through and uh, Sly wasn't going to go forward with doing it with Ray Notaro. And I guess Ray was threatening to to sue um, Stallone for not doing this boxing uh, training instruction video on, you know, learn to box from Rocky and said, you know, he was going to make millions of dollars or something like that. And anyway, Sly wanted me to give Ray a message that it would be in his best interest not to pursue with, um, the lawsuit. And, uh, I actually took that message to Ray Nataro. And it was an uncomfortable moment, but I did transfer that message to him and, uh, there was no lawsuit and probably best for everybody all the way around. Anyway, that's not really a stunt related (laughs) story, but pretty damn interesting and entertaining. So I thought I'd share that with you. Another stunt that I did on Cobra that was a big, big deal for me was this pipe ramp I was going to do through a, a boat and the boat, this wooden boat was not in the water. It was, it was up on the docks and Terry Leonard wanted to, me to tell him exactly where uh, the vehicle, this 50 Merc was going to land when I hit my pipe ramp that I brought and I positioned it in front of this boat to go through the boat and the special effects men were taking these circular saws and they were cutting the ribs of the boat and scoring it, you know, chopping it up into little pieces so it would break away really easily when I, as I bust through it. And that's, that's what we commonly do 
when you're going to crash through something for the visual effect to see every all the debris flying through the air. The special effects men will go in there and they'll cut it into little pieces and sometimes add Fuller's Earth. And so you have the dust floating through the air, or, you know, pieces of paper and all kinds of stuff. So it's not just... You know, it's not just the, the wood parting, it, it's stuff exploding through the air. So they were busy working on this boat for a long time while we set the pipe ramp and we had to take these car axles, we call them bull pricks, and they're about three foot long and I've got some plates on my pipe ramp where we, you know, big enough that these bull pricks go through and with sledgehammers, you got to drive them down and through the asphalt into the ground so that pipe ramp, when you hit it with the vehicle, it doesn't move, it doesn't budge because there's a lot of force the pipe ramp I have is the the spine of it is 13 feet long and the kicker's 18 inches uh, long, and that is at a 35 degree angle. So it's the pipe ramp at the tip at the highest point is five feet six inches tall. So it has the potential to send a car very very high into the into the air as it, and spin it if you hit it more towards the center. But if you hit it right inside the wheel it will snap roll it and much like a bullet coming out of the barrel of a gun it'll just start to spin really violently and quickly so it's really it's it's imperative that you hit the the ramp at a specific spot on the vehicle whether you want to get height or you want to stay low and get rotation so anyway i i had this pipe ramp for many many years had been off it dozens and dozens of times and had it pretty dialed in and when Mr. Leonard asked me where I thought the vehicle was going to land. I said, well, where would you like it to land? And he goes, oh, you tell me you could put that car on a dime wherever. I said, no, I'm just saying, give me an idea of where, where would make you happy. And we walked out in front of the boat a little ways. And he said, out in this area here, anywhere out here, this real estate here is good, you banks. So I paced off my, my distance of uh, 45 feet and moved over one and a half car widths. And I made a mark there and I said, Terry, I think this is where the Asin is first going to touch down because um, I think the the boat, even though they're scoring it, I think that boat's going to cause some resistance and it's going to um, you know, scrub, force me to scrub off some speed. Just hitting the pipe ramp itself because of the abrupt angle of it will, will really slow a vehicle down. It's a very violent hit. And it scrubs off a lot of speed. And then to go through another uh, object, you know, going through the boat, I, I was just guesstimating at how much it would slow it down. But I was pretty confident it would travel at least 45 to 50 feet before it would, it would touch down and then snap roll uh, two or three times. So they set all the cameras based on my calculations and my mark where I said it was going to land. That did put a little bit of pressure on me, but I thought, well, I felt confident. Like I said, I've been off this pipe ramp many, many times. Had I taken it through a boat before? No. Um, did I really go and put my eyes on the the scoring that the, the special effects men were doing to the boat? No. Um, was that uh, a mistake? Yes. <laughs> I think I should have been a little bit more attention to detail. But I got back to my number one starting position, got strapped in uh, good and tight and got the action call and came whipping around the corner, lined up with that pipe ramp. And I hit that pipe ramp. And by the time I left the pipe ramp and got into the, 
into the ribs of that boat, I might as well have hit a stone wall. I might as well have hit the Titanic. It was, it didn't budge at all. It stopped me within a car length and spun me and brought me right back down to my wheels. It was unbelievable that this wooden boat could be so stout and so, I mean, hey, whoever built that boat, my hat's off to them. That thing was just amazing that how how tough it was because that 50 mercury weighed a lot and it just it exploded into a bunch of pieces but i didn't hit my 45 foot mark one and a half car widths over it just i didn't come anywhere near it and i remember terry leonard saying to me well you banks you didn't come anywhere near your mark and i'm like yeah terry i'm I, well that boat had a lot to do with it i'm like yeah i think so yes sir i i think you're right about that <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Then there was another time I had to jump that 50 Mercury out of a, uh, the second story of a parking structure and fall right in behind another stuntman named Terry Jackson. And Terry Jackson was doubling one of the other lead actors in, in this, in this film Cobra. And we did a, we had a lot of fun together, bumping and banging and crashing into each other. And, Anyway, in this particular scene, this uh, the chase, I end up going up into this parking structure. And I'm going to jump out of the second story and bust through these these metal um, uh, railings and and drop in behind him. But when I'm up there in the parking structure, far enough back for me to get my momentum, I can't see the road down below. I can't see uh, Terry Jackson's approach. I don't know where he is. So Terry Leonard is down below, and he said he's going to, on the walkie-talkie, he's going to cue me when I'm going to take off. So I would bust out through the, the, the metal ra- railings up there and fall right in behind Terry Jackson. And again, this is one of those stunts that you cannot rehearse. This is one of those stunts that you have to just uh, make your best calculation and use the swag method which is something that sometimes is really, really accurate. The swag method, the scientific wild-ass guess. That's what, <laughs> that's what a lot of us will use in the stunt industry, the swag method. So this was one of those stunts. And the thing that was bothering me about it before, not just the timing thing, because the timing really, that, that stress and that, that responsibility was lifted off of my shoulders because Terry Leonard was going to tell me when to go. And... He knew approximately how far back I was starting, and it was only going to take me a couple of seconds to get to, to where I was going to bust out through the, the metal railing. And, but what was bothering me was there was this cement pillar that was right kind of in my way. And I had to, as I passed that pillar, make a sharp left-hand turn. So making that left-hand turn was pitching the weight of the vehicle onto the right-hand side. The chassis was being compressed on the right and that and the torque of the flywheel uh, wants to bring a vehicle down on its right. And my front right tire was going to be the first tire to come off the edge of the parking structure. So these three things, when you talk about physics and common sense and you try to weave those two together, you, you get these concerns. And my concern was that I was going to end up flipping onto my side. I wasn't going to come out level and land and be able to drive off behind Terry Jackson. And I went down on the street and 
Terry Leonard was down there setting cameras, and I didn't know how to approach him to tell him my concerns. I didn't know, you know, I was, you know, is he going to believe what I say? Because I was way off on my mark on the boat. Uh, Maybe he's lost confidence in me about, you know, how much does this young punk kid know coming off Dukes of Hazzard? What the hell did you guys ever do on that show? But jump that generally. So I walk up to him and I'm trying to think of the right approach, the right thing to say. And he turns around, he sees me. And he was very busy because he was setting multiple cameras and dealing with the crew. And he sees me and he goes, hey, Eubanks, come talk to me for a sec. And I go, yeah, Terry. He goes, he goes, I got some concern. I go, what's that? And he goes, I'm thinking when you come out of that parking structure because your front right tire is going to come off that ledge first and maybe the torque of your engine is going to want to. And also, aren't you making a slight left-hand turn that's going to pitch a lot of the weight towards the passenger side? And I'm afraid you might come rolling out of that thing on your side. And I thought to myself, oh my God, this man is incredible. He didn't even, he didn't, he wasn't up top looking at it from my perspective. He wasn't sitting in the vehicle going through those thoughts, but yet he knew, but yet he had the same exact concerns that I had. And I said, I, my face lit up. I go, oh my God, Terry, I was coming to tell you, those are my exact concerns. And and he goes, well, okay, we're both in agreement that we got a problem. How do we fix it? And I'm like, oh, he's asking me. Um, okay, Corey, come up, come on, come on, come on, think of something. I said, well, Terry, here's an idea. If we take one mini ramp, now the mini ramp that I'm talking of was about a foot high, uh, maybe 16 inches, and 18 inches wide, and about 14 feet long. I said, Terry, if we take one of those mini ramps, and just use one on my passenger side when I come around that pillar up there. And if I drive up that passenger side, put that up high, by the time I bust through the railing and, and all the weight is transferring to the dry, to the passenger side, you know, and, and my front right tire is coming off first, it should level itself out. He goes, that's a brilliant idea. Eubanks, go set it up. So that's what we did. Took that one mini ramp up there and put it in position Again, did not get to test this, did not get to test it, did not have a rehearsal, just couldn't do it back then. And, you know, we, we didn't have enough vehicles to just, you know, send two or three of them off of there and into cardboard boxes or, or, or just one as, as a, you know, as, as um, a test vehicle. We didn't have that, that time, that, that luxury, you know, to, the, to do that. So it was just, you know, you got to come up with these things and think of the best solution on the fly. And this is what we came up with. Now, this vehicle, this 50 Mercury, the roll cage that was installed in it by Kenny, um, who did it? Kenny, um, not Kenny Alexander. He's, no, oh my, Kenny Bose. How did I not think of his name? Kenny Bose builds beautiful roll cages. That's who built this roll cage. But when Kenny Bose built the cage, I think he set my seat for his long legs and not for mine. And when I got into the car, I could barely reach the gas and the brake when I was strapped in my my harness, my five-point harness. So we, Ben Scott and I had to take little pieces of, of two-by-fours and duct tape and tape them to the brake pedal and to the accelerator pedal because my little body couldn't reach. I couldn't, my legs weren't that long. 
I'm, I'm only 5'9", and I think Kenny Bose is like 6'3", 6'2", 6'3", so his legs were apparently a little bit longer than mine. And this seat was not adjustable. I could not slide it forward, move it back. It was welded in its position. Now, I did also request to the effects guys that we have the high beam switch, which is on the floor, converted into a kill switch. So when I stomp on it, it will kill the engine. That was something that we would do on the Dukes of Hazard, And it comes in quite handy sometimes. You know, it's called a kill switch. You stomp on it, it kills the engine. So I knew I had that. And then when we got, I got all strapped in and ready to go, I remember Ben Scott had to reach in, start the vehicle for me because I, I, when I was strapped into my seat, I couldn't even reach my arm far enough to turn the key. I couldn't even put the car into drive. Ben had to do that for me as well. And he stood beside me holding the walkie-talkie. And I felt pretty confident about everything that we had worked out with the mini ramp. And um, it was not a hard approach. I just knew once I passed that cement pillar, I'm going to crank down on my left just a little bit, line up with the ramp and just bust out of there. And the timing is all on Terry Leonard's shoulders for the timing to work out. So I didn't feel a bunch of, of pressure. And they rolled cameras and all of a sudden I hear it and, and action, Terry. That was, for you know, Terry James. And I had a separate cue. And then I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And I'm like, wow, how far down the street is he coming? And then I hear, action, Eubanks, action, go, go, go. And I take off. And I'm accelerating through this parking structure. And I pass that pillar and I crank down the left just a little bit. And I line up perfectly with that mini ramp. And I does just what I said. It goes up and then it levels off. And I bust through that railing. And I see Terry Jackson just passing me. And I'm thinking, wow. Terry Leonard just nailed it on the timing. And when the front of this Merc hit the ground, the second that thing hit the ground and the ass and fell to the asphalt, the wheels touched the asphalt, I heard the engine just accelerate, just like just accelerating. And I went to hit the brakes, but the floorboard had pushed all the way up to the brake pedal. It was already pushed down. It wouldn't go down any further. And I'm thinking, oh my God. And so what happens, and it's happened to me before, it's not a common thing, but it can happen, is when you land a vehicle really on its nose, sometimes the engine mounts will break and the engine will get thrown forward a little bit. And that happened on this 50 Merc, which when it got thrown forward, it pulls the throttle linkage. So even though I wasn't pushing on the accelerator, the engine being thrown forward pulled the throttle linkage, which gave me a wide open throttle. So when I realized that was happening and I was stomping on the brakes, I'm like, I'm thinking the brakes went out. I'm thinking maybe the brake line got torn when it went up the mini ramp or something because I've got no brakes. And I looked down and I saw the floorboard was pushed up against the brake pedal. I then immediately went for the kill switch and I'm stomping on it. I should have just stomped on it once but what i did was i stomped on it and turned it off and i stomped on it again and turned it on and i stomped on it a third time and i turned it off and i stomped on it again and i turned it back on and then i busted through a chain link fence that was running alongside this highway and as i busted through the chain link fence i thought to myself with the throttle still wide open i thought to myself wow the first ad on this movie named duncan henderson Really, he thought of everything, man. They held traffic just in case something like this was going to happen. They're really thinking ahead. Man, these guys are good. And I go busting through this chain link fence onto this highway into oncoming traffic. 
I see these cars coming toward me. And I'm like, holy shit. And I crank the wheel down to my left and I miss the minivan. And now there's another vehicle and I crank to my right and I miss another car. It's like playing a real life video game, but with you know real cars coming at you. And now the cars that are further up the road coming toward me see this, see that I'm coming toward them. So they all stop, which creates this wall of vehicles. I'm like, I, there's, I can't get around them. I can't stop. So I saw the center divider, which was a K-rail. And so I cranked the wheel so that the, the Merc would crash into this K-rail with the throttle still wide open. Bam, it hits it and it goes, and it sat, and I finally, it, it, it kind of nosed into it and finally just revving the engine when the tires were burning rubber and it just eventually seized the engine and it stopped. And I'm like, oh my God, finally. And I hit my five-point harness and I climb out the window and Duncan Henderson's running in and Terry Leonard's running over and some of the other stunt safety guys. And are you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And next thing I know, I'm surrounded by these four or five Los Angeles policemen. And they like, like hazing me, like, won't let me, move. no, 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 wait, hang on. We're, we, we're going to have a word with you. Hold on a sec. And I'm like, uh, it, you know, like, is, is, is there a, is there a problem? What, what's like, yep, there's a problem. You guys don't have a, a permit to use this highway. So we're going to use you as an example. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to, I'm going to be arrested <laughs> because I busted through the chain link fence and went onto a, a highway that we didn't have permission to use. And I remember Duncan Henderson. Again, he was the first AD, great guy. He steps forward and he says, no officer, this is my set. I am the one who's in charge. So if anyone's going to go to the, you know, to the police department or anyone's going to be arrested, it's going to be me. And I remember looking up at Duncan and looking at the p- policeman. I looked back at Duncan. I said, yeah, I go, listen to this guy. And I turned and I walked away. I went, I went and hid. I went and got out, got out of there in case they changed their minds. But oh my gosh, Cobra. 1985, those were some good days. One of the best memories uh, of my 40-year career, jumping that 50 Merc, doubling Sylvester Stallone, um, and working for Terry Leonard. So I just wanted to share those stories with you. I hope you enjoyed them. And if you have been enjoying my stunt stories, I, I hope that you will consider subscribing and helping spread the word by telling all your friends about Corey Eubanks and his podcast called Stunt Stories. God bless you and have a great day.